0: That's ljsinnercircle.com, or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. As someone who is deep into the trenches of the online jazz education world, I've heard just about every single myth about playing jazz. And I was talking the other day to a fellow music education entrepreneur, but outside of the jazz space, and, and we were having a conversation, and he was telling me about what some of his audience thinks about playing jazz, some of their worries, some of their concerns, some of their fears about trying to approach the music, the, this this feeling of overwhelm. And as he goes down the list of, of concerns that they have, uh, I start realizing and recognizing many of these myths that I've heard many times before. So in today's episode, I'm going to be going over 10 myths about playing jazz. We're going to debunk them. We're going to get rid of these limiting beliefs. Let's do this. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Alright, what's up everybody? My name is Brent. I am the jazz musician behind the website LearnJazzStandards.com which is a blog, a podcast, and videos all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. Hey, welcome to another episode, episode 134 of the LGS podcast. And as I was saying in the intro, today we're gonna be talking about 10 myths about playing jazz that I know are weighing down on a lot of people, a lot of listeners today, and I wanna debunk them one by one because we can't deal with these limiting beliefs and continue to improve as jazz musicians or just musicians in general. So we're gonna work through these together. Now, I am basing this off of a video that I actually came out with about a month ago on our YouTube channel. I'm gonna link that up in the show notes today. Uh learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode one three four. Uh, but I over in that video I talk about five myths, and I'm going to go over those five myths today too. But those myths are more geared towards beginners or those that are trying to enter into the jazz realm and learn how to play jazz. So we're going to go over those because I know we have those of you in the audience today that are that are coming from that angle. But I also know that we have a lot of players uh, listening that are in the trenches already. You are uh, an intermediate player. You're trying to get through this. Maybe you're even advanced. I mean, we have a whole range of spectrums of skill levels and experiences uh, who listen to this show. So I have an additional five that I, I really want to go over. I I love this concept of these myths because these are these doubts and these, these limiting beliefs that are swirling through our heads all the times as musicians. And really, when it comes down to it, becoming a better musician of any kind, in my personal opinion, is at least 50% mental, right? It's not, it's 50% skill and actually being able to you know, execute the ideas, but 50% of it is really the psychology going behind it. And that's why we do talk about that stuff on this show. So that's why I find this episode to be super important and, and it's gonna be super enlightening. So definitely stick to the end. Uh, I, I did originally also take this idea of myths um, from my free mini course called Accelerate Your Jazz Skills, uh, which I very briefly, very, very briefly go over those in in that course because we have a lot of other really important stuff to cover in that course. But just in case you have not signed up for that course yet, it's completely free. Go to AccelerateYourJazzSkills.com and get signed up for that. Uh, It's uh, been a valuable mini course for those who have gone through it. All right, let's do this. Let's jump right into those 10 Myths. All right. Myth number one. Jazz is only for the exceptionally talented. Okay. Myth number one. Jazz is only for the exceptionally talented. Completely wrong. Now, I understand where people get started thinking this way. They they think that well, jazz is such a virtuosic music. There's so much going on. From someone from the outside who's maybe not as familiar with it, they listen to it and it's like, wow, this is this is complex. Or maybe even if you're in the trenches already, actually working on jazz, you're you're feeling that same way, that overwhelm of it takes a lot of technical skill. It takes a lot of knowledge, and and that is all true. But I'll tell you one thing for sure is that I would not consider myself exceptionally talented, yet I make a living uh, one way or another off of jazz music. Now, I I wouldn't say that I had zero talent musically. I did have musical talent when I first uh, started getting into jazz, but I I wasn't exceptionally talented. Really what it took for me was a lot of exposure, a lot of hard work, a lot of time, a lot of pressure. And on top of that, it just took a lot of you know starting step by step, you know, you know, one step into the pond, and you know, finally my my waist is in there, and then all of a sudden I'm I'm wading in water, and now I'm swimming across it, and that that's how it goes with every skill, right? Jazz is not that much different from learning any trade or any skill. Okay, so let's get rid of that limiting belief right now. Jazz is only for the exceptionally talented. That is not true. Doesn't matter what level you're at, you can start playing jazz. You can start getting into it. All right, myth number two, you need to learn a bunch of fancy scales, okay? You need to learn a bunch of fancy scales. Now, this one I, I, I deem especially untrue, especially untrue. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I have a certain philosophy about scales. I don't necessarily love it. When I get questions of, hey, what scale should I play over this chord? Like, uh, you know, a dominant seventh chord. What, What scale should I play over? Because if I just gave the answer, play the Mixolydian mode, that's so limiting. You know, first of all, there's no context to that. What chord comes before it? What chord comes after it? It's also limiting to you, limiting you and, and, and giving your brain this frame of reference of playing a series of notes in order, and that's not what scales are for. I think of scales as pitch collections. It's a series of notes, a way to conceptualize what options you have, but even those options, you're not limited just to those options, right? So you don't need to learn a bunch of fancy scales. Yes, you need to learn scales to understand and play your instrument. That's important, but as far as jazz goes, You don't need to know how to play all the melodic minor uh, chord scale theory, uh, all the diminished chord scale theory. You don't need to learn all of that. That stuff can be helpful tools, but that's not something that you need to overly worry about, okay? So myth number two is you need to learn a bunch of fancy scales. No, you don't. You do not need to do that. And I think that it can be sometimes harmful to approach jazz from that frame of reference, all right? Myth number three, you need to know a lot of music theory you need to know a lot of music theory wrong again okay now I know there's some of you listening right now and you're like oh that's not true Brent you do have to know music theory there's a lot of chord progressions in jazz there's a lot of crazy things happening there and jazz musicians even do even more extreme things when they're on the bandstand right they add chord alterations they all they add chord substitutions so we have to know about theory and listen. It is helpful to know some music theory, but if you're just getting started with jazz or, or you're a beginner phase in playing jazz, you don't need to know a lot of it. Really, you don't. You need to maybe know some basics. Like, you have to understand how to build chords, like, right? You have to understand uh, what a, a major seventh chord is, what a minor seventh chord is. But these are very basic things that, you know, as long as you know your instrument, you can come to the conclusion of what those are. All right. And then you start putting things together. You know, you start learning one tune. Like, let's say you start off with Autumn Leaves. And before you know it, you start learning the music theory that you need to know. You start learning what a two five one chord progression is right just little by little you learn a little bit more and then you move on to another song that might have a little bit more complex har- harmony maybe all the things you are right and you start building off of that. So you don't have to come into jazz being a music theory whiz right And I think very few people that that did start playing jazz or have started playing jazz and become good at it did start out with knowing a ton of music theory in some cases maybe. But you don't need to, all right? You will learn that stuff along the way. Just know the basics and you will learn that stuff along the way. Okay, myth number four. If you keep listening and playing the music, you will finally get it. So if you just keep listening to it over and over and over again, and then you just keep going out there and playing it, you'll eventually get it. And that's a frustrating myth, okay? How how many of you have heard that before? Has anybody ever told you that, hey, man, just listen to the music, you're going to get it, you know, don't worry about it. You, l- listen, that's that's just, that's false, right? I mean, yes, you have to be listening to the music in order to get it. I mean, the, absolutely, hands down, if you don't listen to jazz or, or any kind of music you're studying, you're never going to truly get it. And I think that we fundamentally understand that concept, and yes, if you really want to get a true education, yes, you have to go out and play uh, live or play with other musicians. It can't just be you and yourself sitting in your practice room. We, we understand that. However, just by simply doing those things does not mean you will get it. I always highly encourage people to get some guidance. You need guidance. You need someone to you know, point you down the right path. You need someone to say to you, hey, this is what you're doing right and this is what you're doing wrong and here's a path i want you to go on towards success you need guidance to help you move along the way you know someone to say hey you are playing autumn leaves but do you know what that chord progression means like do you understand how to outline that chord you know there's these things that you need people to tell you and you need people to lead you on a little bit and that's why instruction is important and i will say this as well by the way uh vi- podcasts like this uh videos on youtube now, blog posts. That's all stuff that I do. However, the internet is saturated with stuff. And the problem with it, and the good thing about it is like you have this plethora of knowledge available to you, right? I mean, you could learn anything you want. I know people that build their own houses from scratch. They have zero experience doing that, but they just looked it all up on YouTube. But the problem with this when it comes to musical instruction is you have a bunch of stuff in random order, no logical progression. And that's not how we improve as musicians. We have to have a journey to go on with some guidance. So that's why I would always suggest to everybody to have a private instructor, instructor, a teacher on your instrument to help you with those elements of things. And then outside of that, I always am a big advocate for courses. And that, that's why I make courses, because I really believe in them. I believe in having an actual process. I believe in having a pathway. I believe in having everything organized. So yes, you do need to listen. You do need to go out and play live. That is important, but you're not going to just get, get it and learn how to play jazz by doing that. You have to have some guidance and some instruction along the way. All right, let's go on to myth number five, which is the last of the beginner myths that I've already covered in other mediums. But let me go over it now. Myth number five is the more hours you practice, the better you will get. Okay. The more hours you practice, the better you will get. Now, for me, I uh, I remember back in college, I used to practice for up to six hours a day. And actually, I actually took a year in between high school and college uh, where I actually just practiced, taught lessons to make some money, and study with a teacher. And I would go up to eight hours a day sometimes, like on like the most you know excruciating of days. I remember at one point in college, I practiced for 10 hours in a day. You know, that that sounds insane, right? I mean, it is insane. It is absolutely insane. We sometimes think, we hear stories about Charlie Parker, we hear stories about John Coltrane and how they practiced for some ridiculous amount of hours and they did it with this consistency and obsession and no doubt that must have played some role in their success as a musician. But here's the deal. Here's what I want to tell you right now. I want to debunk this myth of the more hours you practice, the better you will get. Because for many of us, uh, and I know a lot of you, I know a lot of you because I hear from you who, who listen to the show and who follow the blog, who watch the videos, you have a life. You have children. You have a job. You have other responsibilities. Heck, playing jazz or music in general is not your entire life, right? And you still want to get better at playing jazz, at, at being a musician, but you don't have that much time. And guess what? I'm here to tell you, you don't need that much time. In fact, many of those long practice hours that I spent in the practice room working really, really hard, sometimes were actually a complete waste of time. Why do I say that? Because sometimes I did not have a goal in mind, what I wanted to accomplish. My practice session that I was working on at that very moment had nothing to do with the practice session before and had nothing to do with the practice session coming next. And... Half of the time I was unfocused. My mind would meander. Before you know it I would be just, you know, noodling on my instrument, not doing anything. And then I would come back on track to what I was actually working on. It wasn't good practice. If we have focused, goal-oriented practice, where we we have a goal, we have a, an end goal in mind, we have focus, you could spend half an hour or 1 hour working and get more out of that than you would in a five-hour practice session where you aren't really focused. So more time does not make more progress, right? It really depends on the quality of your practice. And this is what I want to, to say to you, is you don't need to worry so much about that. Now, having a lot of hours of practice, is that good? Well, here's what it is good for. It's good because you have more opportunity, that's the key word there, opportunity, To improve because you're just simply putting in more hours so therefore the more hours you spend the more opportunity you will have if you are focused if you are goal-oriented right so it creates more opportunity you're you'll probably get better technically on your instrument right just from sheer exposure but we don't want to waste our time honestly my time is really precious i don't take it for granted all right so let's let's debunk that myth all right, so we're halfway through our myths now. Let's move on to another set of five myths that I think really apply to those of us who have been working on jazz for you know any period of time. You know, you may have resonated with some of them before, but if you're you know been practicing for a while, maybe you're an intermediate player. I mean, you could still be a beginner player. Or maybe you're an advanced player. Uh, some of these might sound familiar to you. Okay, so myth number six: you have to master something before you move on. You have to master something before you move on. Uh, This is false as well. Now, why is this false? Don't you think it's good to master material before you jump in and start chewing off more things? Here's the deal with music is it is a lifelong journey. I have not perfected the art of playing music. I have not perfected even more specifically the art of playing jazz. Even more specifically than that, I have not perfected the art of playing certain songs. And even more specific than that, I have not perfected the art of playing over certain chord progressions. We can go even deeper into that. You know, It's always a learning process and you have to have that mindset if you want to become a better jazz player, if you want to become a better musician. So I do hear this from members of my 30 Steps to Better Jazz playing students, also people in my companion courses, like uh, my Jazz Standards Playbook companion course. People ask me, they send me an email, they say, hey, I don't know if I should move on to the next lesson. I worked this many hours on this and I just feel like it's not perfect, so I don't know if I should move on to the next lesson. And almost every single time, and there's exceptions to the rule, but almost every single time I say to them, move on to the next lesson. Why? Because in my courses, I set up lots of review anyways, but it's because you're not going to master that material. You are going to have spent time on it. You will have gotten better at it. And the more you do it, the better you will get. So if you're just hanging out on the same material over and over and over again, you're doing yourself a disservice. You need to move on and start working on some more things. You know, when I used to teach uh, little kids guitar, um, I don't do that anymore. But when I used to do that, I always found it frustrating at first that I would teach them a song and they wouldn't be very good at it. But I knew that we couldn't just stay on that same song forever because the more songs that we learned, the better they would just get in general so that if they came back and wanted to work on that song ever, they would be better at it, right? Because music is a progression. It's not like, oh, we mastered that song. Now we master the next song. That's not how it works. We need to just keep working through material. Now, that doesn't mean you just work on it a little bit. You don't get very good at it and you move on, but you need to spend some time realizing you're not going to master it and moving on. Okay. So myth number six is you have to master something before you move on. Absolutely not true. Let's move on to myth number seven. You need a lot of chops to be a great jazz improviser. Okay. Myth number seven, you need a lot of chops to be a great jazz improviser. I believe this is completely false. Um, We listened to beboppers like Charlie Parker, we listen to lots of modern jazz musicians who have crazy, amazing chops, right? There's this virtuosity in jazz improvisation that oftentimes leaves us in awe. And maybe for some of us, that's the reason why we got into it. We wanted to be able to do that. But I do not believe that you need to have great chops, amazing uh, ability to play quickly or whatever that means to you in order to be a great jazz improviser. Now, one of my favorite musicians, uh, and maybe you've heard this before, is, is jazz guitarist Peter Bernstein. He's one of my heroes, and I actually got to study with him a little bit. And I was, uh, I was car sitting for a friend. Now, in New York City, if you have no idea what car sitting means, in New York City, if you own a car, which not very many people do, but if you do own a car and you're going out of town on vacation or something, well, you need to hand the car off to somebody else or find a parking space for it somewhere because there's alternate side of the road parking. You don't want to get a ticket. So you need someone to move your car for you. So I was car sitting for a friend and he's a fellow musician and he had this album in uh it's a Jesse Davis album and it's actually happens to be the first uh recording that Peter Bernstein played on and so I was really interested in listening to it while I was driving his car around and um oh man he sounds so good on this album but there's this really quick song it, it's it's such blazing fast tempos you can almost not even keep up with counting in your head that's how fast we're talking about here and when I when I was, I was like, man, what is Peter Bernstein going to play? Because if I, I'm a guitar player, so I always think about that, man, I was listening to the alto player. The alto player is just shredding over top of it. The piano player is shredding, but I'm just like, man, guitar, man, that's how, how's he going to play that fast? Well, Peter goes ahead and he plays this incredible solo. That's insanely melodic that doesn't have these ridiculous chops. I mean, he does have chops. He does, uh, you know, play some fast lines and stuff like that in, in between everything. But he created this solo that, in my opinion, was just way better than if he was just blowing a bunch of notes over the top of that. You know, and no disrespect to anybody who plays like that. That's fine. You know, George Benson, Pat Martino, uh, that's fine as far as guitar players go. And personally, I love tenor players. I love alto players. I love piano players. Trumpet players. I mean, you guys are able to really blow notes over top, and that's awesome. Uh, but I felt like his solo was particularly powerful because he didn't fall prey. To I have to play a billion notes, a million miles per hour in order to make this work. No, he actually played with incredible finesse, incredible melody. And there's other musicians that are examples of that as well, of all kinds of instruments. And I think that's a great lesson for us. Yeah, we want to have good technical ability. We should be working on that. But we don't need to have massive chops to be a great jazz improviser. Okay, so that's myth number seven. Myth number eight is you need to be at a higher skill level to go and play live. Now, I do hear this a lot. I get questions about this from time to time. I'm not sure if I'm good enough to go to the jam session. I'm not sure if I'm good enough to go play in this band. Like what point should I be at before I feel comfortable? Now, there is some truth that you should have some things together, right? If you don't know tunes, you probably shouldn't go to the jam session, right? Because then you have no music to actually play. If you don't really know how to play your instrument, well, then it's probably not a good idea to go to a jazz jam or, or maybe to go to a gig. You should have an understanding of how to play your instrument, right? But at the end of the day, I want to debunk this myth because you have to start somewhere. You don't have to be the best player ever. And a lot of times we tell ourselves these lies. I'm not good enough to do this. I'm not good enough to do that. And sometimes what you need to do is just do your due diligence, but then go up there and just get in there. Get your Get your feet dirty, get your hands dirty, and actually get some real world experience, all right? That's where the real education happens is by just actually applying what you know to a real playing situation. It's a completely different animal in the practice room. So definitely get out there and play. Uh, you don't necessarily have to be at a high level to do that. Just get in there, just do it, okay? That's myth number eight. You need to be at a higher skill level to play live. No, that is not true. Myth number nine, only two more left here. Myth number nine You need to know hundreds of jazz standards. You need to know hundreds of jazz standards. Now, a lot of guys from the older generation than me may have said that to you before. Um, Not all of them say that, but some of them do. And while it is good to know many jazz standards, I find that at least in today's world, in today's scene... You don't necessarily need to know hundreds of them. Uh, I think if you know around 50 that are really common jazz standards, you're going to be really well off. If you know less than that and you have like a, a repertoire of 25, but they're really common standards, then great. Then if you go to a jam session or if you go to a gig and someone calls a song you don't know, then you're just like, oh, mental note, need to learn that song, right? But you don't need to know hundreds of jazz standards. And Uh, several, well, more than several episodes back, I talked about an experience I had where I played at a gig, and for some reason at this particular gig, it must have just been the musicians I was playing with. I don't normally play with them. They were calling a bunch of songs that I didn't know, but the deal was is I have a pretty decent ear, and I was able to learn that song on the bandstand, right? Because I know enough jazz standards that I kind of know where a lot of them go, harmonically, melodically, so I was able to just catch on to them, right? So I have that skill. I have that ear training skill. I have that exposure skill. So you don't have to know every single song. And that, that's a big that's a big thing that people are scared of. I'm too scared to go to the jam session. I'm too scared to play on this gig because what if they call a song I don't know? Well, all you have to do is just say, hey, guys, I don't know that song, all right? I just don't know that one. And they'll most people will say, okay, let's do a different one that we all know and maybe you can make a suggestion. And then just keep a mental note, I don't know that song, but you don't need to feel insecure about it, okay? You don't need to know hundreds of them. I don't think that's necessary. If you want to learn hundreds of them, good for you, go for it. I know that at some point, if you just hear them and you if you've learned 100 jazz standards, it comes down to just like if you actually can hear that jazz standard in your head, you probably know it. You know, it depends on the song. Some of them are more complicated, more modal, more weird like a Joe Henderson or a Wayne Shorter tune. You know, you might not be able to you probably have to actually sit down and learn tunes like that. But if it's very conventional jazz harmony, you'll be able to pick up on it really quick. You'll be surprised. The more tunes you learn, the easier all of them gets. That's just that's just that's just the way it goes. Okay, so myth number nine, you need to know hundreds of jazz standards. I don't think so. I just think you have to have a solid repertoire, uh, you know, to start with and then build off of that when need be. All right, let's go to our last myth, myth number 10. Okay, myth number 10. This is a really important one. I want you to listen to this. This is something that a lot of musicians suffer from. And the myth is you should compare yourself to the best player in the room. You should compare yourself to the best player in the room. I cannot tell you in my life, in my experience, how wrong that is, okay? How wrong that is. Because first of all, you're by doing that, you're approaching music from this competitive standpoint. And I firmly believe music does not need to be competitive. I do not think it should be competitive. Music is a communal experience. And music is something that you should focus on building your personal record, You know, becoming better at it for yourself, not becoming better at it because you want to be better than everybody else. That's the wrong attitude to take when learning music. You're gonna suffer from it. You're gonna have anxiety. You're gonna get depressed. There's no reason to do that to yourself, okay? So when you're playing a gig, when you're playing at a jam session and you hear someone rip this beautiful solo that is way better than anything that you at this current moment have the ability to do, there is no reason to panic, There is no reason to feel bad. There is no reason to beat yourself up at all. It's a waste of your time. And every single time I find myself doing it, I slap myself on the hand because it's a complete waste of my energy and time. You don't need to compare yourself to the best player. You can be inspired by the best player. You can try to reach for their level, but there's a difference between approaching that with an attitude of jealousy or shame upon yourself than personal growth right? If you have this growth mindset attitude towards it, then it's going to be healthy. And that's easier said than done, but you need to approach these situations. Every single gig, every single practice session, every single jam session, whatever it is, is an opportunity for you to grow and get better. And if you're having fun, which is the most important thing in my opinion when it comes to music, if you're having fun and you enjoy the process of learning then this should be easy for you. Unfortunately, for many musicians, this is not easy for us. This does not come naturally. For some reason, we put too much of our self-worth into music if we take it seriously, right? I mean, that happens when we take things seriously. We put too much of our self-worth into it. And if we do that, we get overwhelmed, all right? And we don't want to do that. What I want you to do is have a healthier mindset. You don't need to compare yourself to the best player. You just need to compare yourself to your last performance. And even then, If your last performance was way better and this performance wasn't as good, you don't need to worry about it. You don't need to worry. You don't need to beat yourself up about it. Last week, I played this awesome gig where I felt like I rocked it. I felt so great about myself. The week before that, I played the same gig and I just didn't know what happened. (laughs) At least that's how I felt in my head but we don't need to really dwell on those things, right? We need to dwell on our own self-improvement and keep moving on. So myth number 10, you should compare yourself to the best player. Absolutely false. Now, I hope you learned something from these myths. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down which one of these myths, or you know, if there's more than one, write, write them all down. Which one of those myths do you resonate with? Okay, which one of them do you resonate with the most? And what I want you to do, is write that down, post it somewhere where you can see it, and make a conscious effort to debunk that myth every single day that you pick up your instrument. And I think if you do that, you'll be surprised how much better your playing will be because I think 50% of this is all psychological, right? So that means we need to work on that 50%. Alright, that's all for today's show. I want to thank you so much for listening and for tuning in. I hope you learned from these myths today that we've debunked some of these limiting beliefs that we can start reaching for higher things, higher musical goals. Now, as I have mentioned at the beginning of the show, if you haven't taken my free mini course, Accelerate Your Jazz Skills, Three Steps Towards Jazz Improv Freedom. I want you to do that. It's accelerateyourjazzskills.com is where you can sign up for that for free. It also happens to be a required intro course to my 30 Steps to Better Jazz Playing practice course, uh, which we have hundreds and hundreds of students in there right now getting big results. So regardless, if you want to take that course at the end, you're going to get a lot out of Accelerate Your Jazz Skills. So that's accelerateyourjazzskills.com. And lastly, but not least, I always like to ask you if you got some value at today's show or have been getting value out of this podcast, been listening for a while, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening service. I really appreciate that. That really helps this show and uh, just a free way to give back. All right. We're going to be coming out with another great show next week. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I want you to stick around for next week. So I'll see you back then.